0: Discerninghearts.com presents The Life of Saint Benedict with Father Mauritius Fildi. Father Mauritius did his philosophical, theological, and doctoral studies in Europe. He's the author of numerous books, including I Want to Understand You, Encountering Foreign Worlds with the Little Prince, and On the Way Benedict's Journey for Spiritual Maturity. Father Mauritius serves as the prior of Saint Anselmo's in Rome, the life of Saint Benedict. With Father Mauritius Filde, I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father Mauritius, thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me, Chris.
0: We continue in our examine of the events of the life of St. Benedict. Much to teach us, isn't there?
1: Oh, yes. Yes, it is. It, it's, it's a wonderful story. And uh, St. Benedict goes through so many stages of. Of growth and temptation and and recovery, and then gaining new insight and and on this way, he becomes fuller and fuller of god this is this is where he wants to go and as you remember, he starts out in in Rome, studying, but that was the will of his father, so he finally gave this up because he found out Godfather is not in favor of this idea to stay in the city. So he left the city, but his nurse followed him, so he lived in Affile, which is also in Italy. And she was very nurturing, and he helped her a lot as well. But at a certain point he felt, no, I have to even go away from her to be detached from this maternal figure in my life. So here we can see that St. Benedict went through something that is so typical for all saints and for all um, spiritual masters, uh, you have to become detached from your father and from your mother, your earthly fathers and mothers. And then we saw how he settled in the cave for three years, kind of his novitiate as a Benedictine, if you wish. And there was this monk Romanus who brought him something to eat so that he wouldn't starve. But at a certain point, he was uh, the devil got him, Benedict, and so he threw a stone at the bell and wanted to stop Romanus doing these good deeds. Uh, with the result, actually, that he wouldn't, uh, he would have died by hunger. So, thanks to God again, the grace intervened and and helped Romanus to continue with his good work. At that point, Saint Benedict had to learn to be detached. From the ideal, you could be detached from everything and everybody. He wanted to have the total solitude, but this is just not possible. Even as a monk, it is not possible. We are called to uh, be people who live in communion with God and in community with our brothers and sisters. So at that point, he learned to be detached from any kind of fixation, and that is... Very important for all of us too as we journey on the spiritual path that we don't get stuck in fixations but still open our hearts and listen to where God wants to call us. And the next uh, story is also very interesting. So what else could he become detached from? So what what is the next step that God... Um, taught him on this journey into more freedom and into more emptiness in order to receive God. So I would like to read the next passage to you. At length, the time came when Almighty God wished to grant St. Benedict rest from his toil and reveal Benedict's virtuous life to others. Like a shining lamp, his example was to be set on a lampstand to give light to everyone in God's house. The Lord therefore appeared in a vision to a priest some distance away who had just prepared his Easter dinner. How can you prepare these delicacies for yourself, he asked, while my servant is out there, in the wilds, suffering from hunger? Rising at once, the priest wrapped up the food and set out to find the man of God, even though it was Easter Sunday. He searched for him along the rough mountainsides, in the valleys, and through the caverns, until he found him hidden in the cave. They said a prayer of thanksgiving together, and then sat down to talk about the spiritual life. After a while, the priest suggested that they take their meal. Today is the great feast of Easter, he added. It must be a great feast to have brought me this kind visit, the man of God replied, not realizing, after his long separation from men that that day was Easter Sunday. Today is really Easter, the priest insisted, the feast of our Lord's resurrection. On such a solemn occasion, you should not be fasting. Besides, I was sent here by Almighty God so that both of us could share in his gifts. After that, they said grace, and began their meal. When it was over, they conversed some more, and then the priest went back to his church. I think that's a beautiful story, this encounter with the priest in the cave. Still, this story is a little bit shocking, because how could it happen that Benedict, Saint Benedict, could forget about Easter. He was on the journey to follow God and Jesus more closely. How could he forget about the feast of Easter? And also the reaction that we read here, how Benedict responded to the priest is kind of strange. One must admit that St. Benedict in his rule has a distinct and balanced way to speak about priests. There are actually two chapters in his rule that are dedicated to this topic. And maybe I can read them to you too. I'll summarize them. In chapter 60, Benedict says the admission of priests to the monastery. If any ordained priest asks to be received into the monastery, do not agree too quickly. However, if he is fully persistent in his request, he must recognize that he will have to observe the full discipline of the rule without any mitigation knowing that is written, Friend, what have you come for? He should, however, be allowed to stand next to the abbot, to give blessings and to celebrate Mass, provided that the abbot bids him. Otherwise he must recognize that he is subject to the discipline of the rule and not make any exceptions for himself, but rather give everyone an example of humility. Whenever there is a question of an appointment or of any other business in the monastery, he takes the place that corresponds to the date of his entry into the community and not that granted him out of respect for his priesthood. And in chapter 62, the priests of the monastery, St. Benedict writes, Any abbot who asks to have a priest or deacon ordained should choose from his monks one worthy to exercise the priesthood. the monks so ordained must be on guard against conceit or pride, but not presume to do anything except what the abbot commands him, and must recognize that now he will have to subject himself all the more to the discipline of the rule, just because he is a priest. He may not therefore forget the obedience and discipline of the rule, but must make more and more progress toward God. I guess you can hear what St. Benedict's intention is. He must have seen priests in his community who kind of spoiled the community in the sense um, that they found they had the privilege to go their very own ways, that they would not be under the abbot, under the rule, under the discipline of the rule because of their priesthood. And in this regard, Benedict is very strict, interesting. So he, he does not, you can feel that he has a great appreciation and love towards the Eucharist and towards the priesthood, but still as far as monasticism goes, as the monastery goes, it doesn't matter. If you are a priest or not, first of all, you are a monk. This is kind of the first vocation. I read this to you in order to show that he has this balanced um, view of the priesthood. And now here in his biography, St. Gregory the Braid, who was the Pope, Mm -hmm. uh, tells us the story that a priest actually is coming and dining with St. Benedict. And again, the astonishing fact that Benedict had forgotten about the date of Easter. What's going on here? My assumption is that Benedict had reached a point in his life where he was even in a way, detached from the church. The church's task is it to proclaim and to make sure that there is this feast of Easter, the solemnity of Easter. So the calendar is, so to speak, a thing that is um task of the church to set the calendar and to say, this is Easter, So when he has forgotten about this date, it means, in a way, he has forgotten about the church. And again, this might sound shocking to us. How could he as a saint? But in a way, and and shortly I will show this, it was necessary for his spiritual journey. Why was it necessary? Because now... He was able to grasp what church really means, what faith really means from inside, from its eternal source and origin. In other words, he now does not celebrate Easter only because the church tells him to celebrate Easter, kind of as a Um, in obedience to this regulation of the Church, but rather he grasps the mystery of Easter itself. We could describe this transformation as going from an analog experience to an originary experience. What do I mean? Analog means... You have experience, and you need a transmission. You have learned it. It's an outward knowing. So it's like when parents explain to their children things of the faith, so the children learn it, and they know it, and they certainly grasp it in their hearts. But maybe they haven't always experienced Experienced what this mystery is all about.
0: We'll return to the life of Saint Benedict with Father Mauritius Vildi in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app where you can find all your favorite discerning hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Monsignor John S. of Deacon James Keating, Father Donald Haggerty, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more. They're all available on the free Discerning Hearts app. Over 3,000 spiritual formation programs and prayers, all available to you with no hidden fees or subscriptions. Did you also know that you can listen to Discerning Hearts programming wherever you download your favorite podcasts? like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, even on Audible, as well as numerous other worldwide podcast streaming platforms. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has a YouTube channel? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts Catholic Podcasts, dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. In the Holy Rule Saint Benedict you have said listen O my son to the precepts of the master and incline the ear of your heart and cheerfully receive and faithfully execute the admonitions of your loving father that by the toil of obedience you may return to him from whom by the sloth of disobedience you have gone away to you therefore my speech is now directed who giving up your own will Take up the strong and most excellent arms of obedience to do battle for Christ the Lord, the true King. O Holy Father, Saint Benedict, pray for us. Amen. Hi, this is Chris McGregor here to encourage you to check out the show notes for essential highlights, study and reflection questions, and additional resources for this episode you're listening to right now. They're offered to you freely. By discerning hearts, we hope you'll take this opportunity to study for yourself or to share it with a group and If you have any questions, concerns, or ideas, be sure to leave the comments in the comments section of this particular posting. Now, back to our program. We now return to the life of Saint Benedict with Father Mauritius Fildi.
1: The experience we are talking about here is an original experience. That means you don't need a medium to get to know it. You are in the truth. You experience it yourself. It's an inward knowing. This is why St. Benedict says, It must be a great feast to have brought me this kind visit. What does this mean? Think about staying in a cave for three years. In a cave, it's cold, it's wet, it's dark. It's a little bit like being in a grave. And maybe this three year, this number three, points even to an imitation of Christ who stayed for three days in the grave and then was raised Easter. So, he was alone and it was dark. And here comes the very first human being visiting with him. And he brings something to eat. That must have been like resurrection. That was, that was Easter. If this priest would have come uh, three days after or one month after, it would have been Easter for Benedict. This is what he wants to say. He said, Sure, that might be that the World Church celebrates Easter today, but it is Easter because you are here, my friend. You, a living person, kind of raises me up also to to new life. And we have communion and we eat together like Jesus ate on the on the Easter morning and Easter evening together with the with the brothers. It's Eucharist. It's Eucharist. So St. Benedict understands at that point what Easter really means besides the ritual to celebrate Easter every year. By the way, this ritual becomes for him very important. He centers his whole, whole rule around the solemnity of Easter. He defines very precisely when the monks have to sing the Alleluia and Easter is incredibly important for him. But again, he had to go through the stage of not knowing anymore kind of what the church would teach. He certainly hasn't forgotten that, but in order to grasp in a deeper way what the Church really teaches.
0: It really brings to life that understanding that we have that every time we celebrate the Eucharist, it is Easter.
1: Exactly. And I would go even further. Easter can happen at any moment. We are, we live in the mystery of Easter. Since Jesus has redeemed us from death and sin, the whole world is raised to life already. We are on the way to become fully redeemed when the end of the world will, will come. So at any moment you could encounter the risen Lord and certainly at any Eucharist because this is the concentration, this is a kind of the focus point of, of Easter in our lives and in the life of the Church. So what we say about Easter pertains to all feasts that we celebrate throughout the year. And you know that the Benedictines are very faithful to celebrate the liturgy uh, of the year, the circle of the year. We love all the solemnities and feasts and memorials, and we are very careful to observe them. And that's interesting that we do this based on our founder saint benedict who was at a point where he forgot about all of this the reason why we celebrate we try to celebrate so faithfully these feasts is that we can count on these mysteries we you know you never know when you are about to experience the Feast of Corpus Christi, the Feast of the Ascension, the Feast of Palm Sunday, the Feast of Good Friday. The mystery of Good Friday happens every day, can happen every minute to me or to you. You know, we just kind of chose one day per year in order to celebrate what we believe deeply happens all the time. And this is why we are so faithful. It's not so much about this date. It certainly makes sense to have a date. It helps us to remember, and we are connected with the whole church in the world. But it is more about to learn what is behind, what what are the mysteries that are celebrated at those solemnities and feasts.
0: It was interesting as you were describing Benedict's experience how it was so much like, in some ways, the encounter of Abraham and Melchizedek. Abraham had been out wandering and responding to something. Even though he was not alone, he had a caravan, but he was alone in the experience. Mm -hmm. And then out of nowhere comes the the priest.
1: Thank you for bringing this up. I I could imagine that this parallel was intended by Gregory the Great because he very often compares Benedict with Abraham Mm. because Abraham is the father of the faith, and in a way Benedict became a father of many, many monks. Benedict left, as we said, his parents, his hometown, uh, and all what could bind him very similarly to Abraham. And that opened him to this deeper understanding of, of God. And then you need angels like Romanus or like the priest or like Mechizedek who touch your life. So thanks thanks be to God that this priest was there and that he should that he didn't think, Oh, it's Easter Sunday, now I have really worked enough. I should have I take my should take my nap now. <laughs>
0: Also compelling that as you bring up the different examples of experiences in scripture that are similar in nature to this, that it shouldn't be quickly dismissed as though it's some type of literary device that is used to make a point. And because I think if we reflect in our own lives, have we not had these type of encounters when you're open to receive them, those unexpected surprises.
1: Yes. Absolutely, and we have, this is why it is so important to teach our children and to introduce our children in all of this as thorough as possible um, in order to prepare them for this experience. Mm -hmm. This is what the liturgy does, actually, and this is what the Church wants us to do, to celebrate in this way in order to be ready if God in a deeper way wants to touch us with this um, respective mystery. You know, as Benedictines, we go so often to church, and sometimes it's just a routine, and it, it can become an empty, an empty routine easily, as you can imagine, you know, when you do it so often. And we don't have to be afraid about this, because we could see it as a preparation for this very day when God wants to, in, to um, disclose to us in a deeper way what all these things are about. And this pertains not only to Benedictines, it pertains to any Christian. You know, you go to church maybe uh, during the Holy Triduum year by year, and maybe there are years where you just don't understand what this all is about. <laughs> but you are faithful, and that is good. Very good. Because the day might come when God really wants to show you in a deeper way uh, why he died for you and uh, why he uh, raised you up.
0: The bark of St. Peter, the great ship of the church. With any sailing vessel, you itself, it is just a ship. But you need the full and active participation of everyone serving on that ship to make it work. And it, it, that's, is that what the full and active participation, the, in, the interior experience, that's what we bring to it?
1: Exactly. This is exactly it. This interior yes or understanding leads us to the active participation. Um, you are absolutely Right this is what the second vatican council want, wanted to bring us and we have this experience in our monasteries um, very much if if the monks just kind of depend on the monastery and the community they won't they won't grow into the into a deeper relationship with christ and so this active participation is really ask from all of us and this is what St. Benedict learned at this point.
0: Final thought?
1: Yes, we could ask ourselves what makes me thankful when I think about our church? What did I receive from her? We could also meditate on the question What should be my contribution to help make this church even more lively? We could ask the Lord to help me to build up this church and to renew it on my part. And we could also ask ourselves, where where do we see problems? And how could I, in a respectful and gentle way, address Those problems. Finally, let us continue to pray with the Church.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Father.
1: You are very welcome.
0: You've been listening to The Life of Saint Benedict with Father Mauritius Feldy. To hear and or to download this program, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. And most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Life of St. Benedict with Father Mauritius Filde.